Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle Elfrink and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. We enjoy every single day around these parts, but we especially enjoy Mondays at Fantasy Sports Daily. Kyle Elfrink, Ray Flowers, hanging out with you, uh, coming off of the holiday weekend. Uh, for the first time in the history of this program, Ray Flowers, uh, you were without me on Friday. It appears you survived. So uh, bravo to you, young man. I, I want you to know I enjoyed my time away from you, although I also missed you just a bit on Friday. Oh, well, thank you, Kyle. I appreciate that. Yeah, we had a good time on the show Friday. I, I uh, spouted some nonsense myself, and then we had in a, a couple of the fellows. We had Russell Clay come in and talk to us about Thursday Night Football. We had Tyler Beagle look ahead and preview the rest of Week 12, including you know Black Friday football. So I think it was a good time, and uh, we had a good group of people asking some questions in the chat room as well. Yeah, well, we're going to have fun today. Uh, like I said, we enjoy Mondays around here. Why? It's because Ray and I get to sit here uh, for about an hour and just kind of rehash everything that went down on Sunday. And uh, even though we only had, what, 11 games on Sunday, that leaves us plenty to rehash. As usual, the NFL giving us a lot of storylines, even if the the teams or the games aren't necessarily great. Plenty of pullaways in the fantasy universe. Uh, before we get too deep into things, kind of run through what we've got for today. Uh, we hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Thanks for joining us on X, on Facebook, on YouTube, wherever you are. Certainly the people that download the audio podcast here. Love having you guys on board. Uh, looking at today, everything is pretty well NFL Week 12. And we got a lot to recap as we have that wonderful game in uh, Philadelphia. Um, even if you weren't playing fantasy football, that was a, a fun one to watch between the Eagles and the Bills. If you were playing fantasy football, a lot of things were helping you out on Sunday between Philly and Buffalo. So we'll start there. Uh, we'll take a look at the L.A. Rams, who surprisingly gave us a couple of huge performances. And neither of them were courtesy of Cooper Cup or Puka Nakua. In fact, the Rams gave us three big performances in the backfield, at quarterback, and at tight end of all things. So we'll talk about that. Uh, we had a 16 to 10 final between the Bengals and the Steelers, which probably means you walk away from that game and say, hmm, Bengals ain't going to be good without Joe Burrow. And although everybody's singing the praises of the Steelers today, were the Steelers much better than usual? Ray and I will discuss that. Atlanta is finally making use of Bijan Robinson. Uh, the Patriots still suck, but there is a player who actually is worth having on that Patriot offense. Uh, let's see, Rasheed Rice finally had his breakout. Got news today, Carolina moving on from Frank Ride. Uh, we'll get a Monday night football preview with Ryan Clifford. We'll talk some baseball, another big signing happening overnight. So plenty of things to cover, as well as, Ray, some deals over at Fantasy Guru. I know you talked about this Friday. You and I talked about it on Thursday. Uh, we got deals all over the place at FantasyGuru.com. Yeah, we do. And as you heard in the intro to the show and you hear every day, you can use the promo code FSD20 to sign up for any of the products we have at FantasyGuru.com, including the baseball product, the basketball product, the football product, all that. Uh, we do have a special on the football product right now. It's through the regular season and the playoffs. So don't think you're just getting a couple of weeks and the season's almost over. If you need help setting your lineups down the stretch, if you need help with a waiver wire, if you want to ask the folks in Discord how to put a lineup together, what's the best way to make a move, those kind of things. FSD20 is the promo code for that. It's the NFL package all in, and that gets you DFS and seasonal, both for the rest of the season. So check that out. The second deal is only good through today. It's through Cyber Monday, I guess. We're, we're falling in like everyone else, Kyle. We're doing what everyone else does with the weekend sales. 
Uh, deal number two is for everything we do. The first deal was just for football through the Super Bowl. This is for everything. This is football, baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, racing, uh, soccer, all of that. And that's the all-in VIP platinum plan. And if you use the promo code TURKEY40, you get 40% off. So you get 40% off all seasons long, all the seasons, all the sports, <laughs> using that promo code TURKEY40. That's only good through the end of Monday, the 27th of November. I noticed Amazon started their Cyber Monday on Sunday. So I don't know if there are any rules. Like, <laughs> I guess false advertising doesn't, but, but they're not saying it's only Monday. But I, I opened up my uh, inbox today, Ray, and there it was, like loads of emails. Yep. Which I've managed. I, I pretty well just hit delete right. on all those. So I've yet to spend a dime on Cyber Monday. I'm holding I out. I spent a dime on Cyber Saturday, which isn't a thing, but oh. um, it's because I was buying a birthday gift for my significant other whose birthday is in like two and a half weeks. So there was, it wasn't, it was a reason for it. It wasn't just a random thing. Oh, it's on sale. There was a plan come. He is a good man, Mr. Ray Flowers, no doubt about that. One other thing on the DFS, uh, for those who don't like, you're not crazy about DFS, you won't play a ton of it. Uh, Ray mentions that you get the DFS coverage. Uh, that is a lot of fun come December and certainly the playoffs. So, you know, some people are just looking for, for some juice, some excitement, if you will. Maybe your season is about to end in season long. Uh, maybe you're just kind of interested in kicking the tires on DFS as you go down the stretch. Like I said, the playoffs, uh, all that coverage. We, we cover it completely at fantasyguru.com. So even as we get into January, the DFS coverage continues to come your way so you can make use of that and hopefully turn some uh, of our knowledge and your knowledge into some profit. Again, reminder, if you want to hit us up in the chat room, any questions coming out of week 12, or maybe you disagree with something Ray and I are just about to say, uh, hit us up over in that chat room uh, via X, via Facebook, Twitter, wherever you want to, uh, YouTube. It is available for you. Okay, Ray, let's dig into week 12. Like I said, we're going to start in Philadelphia. Heck of a game, 37-34. Even a curmudgeon like you, Ray. You can't complain about that game, can you? I mean, we had the rain. It felt good. You know, two big teams. Like the Bills, it was almost a must win. I don't know how many people realize that loss against the Eagles was a backbreaker for the Bills. I mean, they have got a ton of work to do, and they need a ton of help. That was a classically fun game to watch, Ray, but I'm sure you're going to tell me it wasn't. No, I think it was a good game. <laughs> I, I, I could complain, as always, like you said, but I think that – it was a good game. Uh, it went to overtime, so we got some extra production. Now, maybe that helped the folks. Maybe it hurt the folks, depending what side of the you know the Eagles Bills uh, situation you're on with your fantasy squad. But uh, it was a, it was a game that kind of lived up to expectations. We got a tush push. We got a Josh Allen interception. We had successes. We we kind of got a little bit of everything, and you know, there's a lot of storylines here. Um, you know, Antonio, excuse me, AJ Brown got in the end zone, but didn't do anything. Devonta Smith is surging. Uh, you know, Cook. Had a solid day, but he dropped a touchdown pass. Like, you know, Josh Allen was, you know, horse collar tackled. His jersey was torn off. They didn't call a penalty. I think that's one of the big takeaways. I've seen a lot of that on social. A lot of people were pissed off by the officiating on both sides of this game, Kyle. Yeah, I, I was actually listening to the Bills broadcast at one point, and they were adamant that they had never seen a more one-sided refereeing affair <laughs> in their lives. Now, they were the Bills announcers, and I think it was after that call on Allen. I, I will say this about Allen, Ray. Fantasy-wise, he's great. We've kind of defended him throughout the, the down moments. He mm -hmm. he threw another pick yesterday. That Honestly, that play where he threw it was kind of dumb, honestly. I mean, just take the sack or you get rid of it earlier. I mean, he risked a, a full-blown turnover 
um, on that play by because I didn't think it was a pass. I mean, mm-hmm. I know that's what he was trying to do, but it looked right. a lot more like a fumble to me. He still had the moments. He still had the plays. One of the the wildly frustrating things, Ray, because I'm sure there are players and fantasy owners today frustrated in this, is that a player who in the previous three games had two catches for 58 yards went off for the Buffalo Bills, Gabe Davis. And, and here's what it, we say this all the time. I'll just reiterate. You draft Gabe Davis, you better play him. Because, Ray, I don't care what he did last week, what he did in the previous three weeks. I don't care what the matchup is. You know, in the rain, you know, all this crap. You play him, Ray. And and I just want to reiterate, people, if you didn't play Gabe Davis, that is totally on you. You've got to play him, Ray. I don't care. Again, matchup, recent results. He goes off, uh, what, 6-105 in a touchdown. He could have easily had a second touchdown in this game. He's frustrating as all get out. But if you draft him, you are committing to the Gabe Davis experience. You are, and it is extremely frustrating. And it's one thing to say, you know, oh, it's, you know, like A.J. Brown, right? It's five catches for 37 yards. Okay, that's not what we expected. Gets in the end zone. Okay, let's remove that. Five catches for 37 yards is disappointing. Okay. It's not ever like that with Gabe Davis. When he goes 537, it's kind of what you're expecting. Then there's the 6-105 and touchdown that we got from him yesterday. And then there's the other games where he gets two targets and to catch a pass. And mm-hmm. like you said, that's – and he's not anywhere close to being a physical match uh, for Deshaun Jackson. Not even close. But the production, eerily similar, right? We had the same situation with Deshaun Jackson. You always – we told everyone the same thing. You know, he's going to get three targets this week. Next week he's going to go for four catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown. It's just how it is. It's how it is with Gabe Davis, but it is an incredibly frustrating ride getting to that finish line. How about these two quarterbacks? We, we still have um, over a month to go in the season, Ray, five, six games worth. I, I, I would suspect if the Bills miss the playoffs, it's going to be kind of considered, well, even though it's not totally him, it'll be like, ah, oh, Josh Allen failed. He, he didn't succeed. The Bills didn't make the playoffs. That was supposed to be a Super Bowl contender. On the Eagles' side, they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, yesterday they win. They're 10-1. and one. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're – but, Ray, next season, I wonder if if Buffalo is out of the playoffs, if the Eagles are in the playoffs. I don't know if it's fair, but that is going to color the idea of which quarterback to take. Mm-hmm. What do you think of these two, Hurts versus Allen? A lot of people on the surface, Ray, are going to say, it's Hurts. And I don't even know if Patrick Mahomes is going to be in this conversation unless he blows up down the stretch because he's been just there. He's been good, mm-hmm. but just there. Is is Allen going to be a distant second to Hertz? And is it fair as he kind of looking look forward and rank these two quarterbacks? Well, I'll say this. Yesterday, two people asked me if they should even start Josh Allen, and one asked me if they should start Hertz. That's <laughs> and so if people are legitimately that's asking millions who follow you, of, though. Of course, of course. But still, that's three people that didn't want to play these two superstars. So who the hell knows what people are gonna say next year? Uh I think that we have to we have to. We have to get a handle first if they're going to outlaw the tush push. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. There's there, a lot of people say no way in hell. There's a lot of people say they're going to because, I mean, Jalen Hurts, all he, his fantasy life is built upon one-yard touchdowns, Yeah, right? He's done a good job passing. We saw it yesterday, 203 touchdowns. I'm not saying he can't be effective, but the touchdown, the one two-yard touchdown runs are it for him. Josh, and By Allen, the way, just let me throw this yeah. in since you brought it. I think 11 touchdowns, rushing touchdowns. I think eight of them are a yard out. Eight of the 11. Yeah. And I think if you added up the yardage total of all 11 of his touchdowns rushing, 33 yards. And and that one that won the game was a 12-yarder. Before that, it was 10 rushing touchdowns that had covered 21 yards. 
for Jalen Hurts. But, you know, that tush-push thing, right, it is such a weapon for them. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I hate it. Mm-hmm. It's a bore. It's a snooze. It's, you know, again, I've said this before. Is it successful if you make it a yard every time? You're never going two yards or three yards or more. But I don't know how you outlaw it. Like, what, what do you write up? Like, what makes it a push or a, a sneak? Like, we can't, can we outlaw QB sneak? I mean, that's kind of what we'd be outlawing at that moment. Yeah, I would say this. You're a, you're not as good a football team as you think if you can't give it to your running back and get a yard. <laughs> like they've done for, I don't know, the first hundred years they played football. Uh, I think that they can outlaw the pushing part. You can't outlaw the play, but they you from can behind. outlaw. You mean from behind? From like behind, the, right? Yeah, you the, the, add the momentum. If it's the if it's the line and it's the quarterback, I don't think you can outlaw it, like you said. But it is, you know, Baker Mayfield got hurt doing it yesterday. Um, it's it's something to consider with with Harris because, like we're saying, I mean, you know, we're talking about a guy who's got double digit rushing touchdowns, and not that Josh Allen doesn't provide that, but Josh Allen runs guys over. Josh Allen diving into the end zone. It's a different way they get there. Back to your initial question with these two. I think it's hard not to go with Josh Allen because Allen to me is the more likely guy to have the 300 yard passing games. As we saw yesterday, I mean, the Eagles went bananas. They won a football game. They played overtime. They scored 37 points. Uh, Hertz produced what five touchdowns, whatever the hell it was. And he threw for 200 yards. So I would say Allen still is in the lead over Hertz, but it's so nice to know that, you know, when you got a quarterback who may only throw for 180 or 238 this week, you know he's always getting two touchdowns. That's kind of been the one thing Lamar Jackson's always struggled with. With Jackson, it's four touchdowns one week. It's one the next. Yeah. It's five. It's zero. With Jalen Hurts, it's always at least two because one of them's always on the ground. Well, and, and to compare and contrast the two, you're right. Hurts is a bigger threat on the ground, 11 touchdowns. But do not sleep on Josh Allen, who had two rushing touchdowns on Sunday. Uh, for his career, and we haven't even finished our sixth season of his career, but uh, he is up to 47 rushing touchdowns in six years. So let's say he gets to 50, or, or give him 48. That is an average of eight rushing touchdowns yeah. every year, which is a massive number. Now, maybe Jalen Hurts gets to the 10, 11, 12. He now has three straight years of double-digit rushing touchdowns, which has never been done by an NFL quarterback. But, Ray, the difference is when you look at the passing you talked about. These guys are playing the same game yesterday, a shootout, all that. One guy is throwing 31 passes. The other guy is throwing 51. <laughs> like, that was the, the difference between Allen and Hurts here. If I get Josh Allen, as, and I, I don't invest in QBs, but if I'm sitting there and somebody takes Jalen Hurts next year as the 13th overall player, I'll gladly take Josh Allen as the 22nd overall player. You know, I – and and Hertz is probably going to rise to that number one spot. And gosh, Ray, I'll take Patrick Mahomes as the 30th player if it were to fall that way. I mean, to think Mahomes will be number three when you rank these three guys, that's probably where it's going to land next season a bit. Yeah, I mean, Josh Allen, too, by the way, he leads the NFL in touchdowns produced and all this kind of stuff. He's averaging like, I don't know, 43 touchdowns the last three years. I mean, that's Ooh. a massive amount of touchdowns. And we've seen a guy like Mahomes, you know, go for 50, Tom Brady throw 50, but he's averaging 40 every year. This is not the peaks and the valleys like we go from 40 to 28. Uh, and I think you're right with Mahomes. Mahomes has showed more on the ground than we're used to seeing with Patrick Mahomes. Like he's figured out when to run and defenses play him differently. So he takes that seven yards here and the six yards there, but he's not double digit touchdowns. That's never happening, right? Mm-hmm. It's we're going to get for 32 yards rushing this week and have a good time. So, yeah, I think it's going to be the, – the story is going to be written the way you suggest with Hurts and Allen battling for the top spot. Maybe Lamar Jackson sneaks in there for some people. Mahomes will be behind them. The 
the, the Chiefs need to do something with their receiving core. And until people feel comfortable that they're getting that 302 every week that they're used to getting from Patrick Mahomes, he's definitely going to be behind the other people. Um, any other takeaways for you? I look at this game, and for the most part, it's like kind of par for most of these guys, like Swift and Brown and Smith and Diggs and you know Kincaid. And I, I will say the only thing that kind of caught my eye is getting a chance to, to kind of focus on this game, especially late. James Cook has the look. Like, he looks like he should be a top 10 running back. Now, the stats yesterday do not indicate this guy's a stud, and obviously the drop pass was a backbreaker. And I don't know if it can happen in Buffalo. I, I just don't. But man, Ray, when he like gets moving, he's he's got the he's got the juke. He's got the swivel. I, I I think he's physical. The the measurables are there. It obviously hasn't happened. I, I know people are always wanting more and more and more. It's like you get something, but where are the touchdowns? I I still like Cook, but I I just don't know if in Buffalo they're ever just going to kind of say, yeah, we do want a running back who can get us 80 yards rushing a week. I just don't know if they're built that way at all, no matter who the running back would be. Yeah, he had 100 yards from scrimmage yesterday, caught the six passes, should have been seven and 130 yards of offense and a touchdown because he obviously dropped that ball that would have been a score. But I think that we have to remember two things. One, the Bills, as you know, like there's games where they're going to run it 29 times. There's games they're going to run it 14 times. Like that's just, you know, and they're they're not – overly reliant on one running back right there's johnson involved murray's involved okay they made it used to be two guys now it's kind of three but you look at the how and the second point is you look at how the running back position is handled across the nfl right now as we sit here going into monday night football james cook's a top 15 running back in a ppr Mm -hmm. setup so i mean you know do you have to get 20 touches a week do you have to get 120 yards of offense Do you have to be scoring 0.9 touchdowns a game you don't have to do that anymore like, if it was 10 years ago, James Cook would be like, well, he's a flex guy. Nowadays, Kyle, again, he's a top 15 running back, and he's a weekly starter. The uh, 23 touches he had in this game against the Eagles, a career high for James Cook. So, uh, of course, Ken Dorsey let go a couple of weeks ago. Offenses look better, by the way, with the Bills. A couple of back-to-back games of 30 points. So, maybe a good sign for Cook uh, to get more work as we go down the stretch. Uh, Lat Murray still seeing, what, nine carries, I think. Uh, and Buffalo is now desperate, like we noted. Uh, they got to get some W's, got to get some wins as we go down the stretch. Uh, moving away from this game, Ray, uh, we were just talking about Mahomes. We were talking about how an offense is built. You know, is there a spot for James Cook to really become a an RB one? That leads us to Kansas City, who, uh, if if you looked at the scoreboard, Ray, you didn't see a, a snap of this game on Sunday between the Chiefs and Raiders. You would have said, okay, ho hum. That that's mm-hmm. what I expected. You know, the, the Chiefs win by two touchdowns. But they were down 14-0 in this game. And they came back, and it was night and day. Um, and unlike the usual setup where it's like, oh, Mahomes went crazy and Kelsey had 140 yards and two touchdowns, that wasn't the case. The Chiefs kind of went in a different direction where we finally got the Rasheed Rice breakout. And Isaiah Pacheco, um, who's kind of stuck in a similar offense and set up as James Cook, had two touchdowns, and Ray got his first touchdowns, I think, uh, since week five. So it's been a while for Pacheco to get going. Rice is probably the biggest talking point here, Ray, because people have been waiting for that game for a while now. He goes eight catches, 107-1. Great, nice, fun, cool. He maybe helped you win a week. I don't think it means anything, Ray. <laughs> I, I know people are saying this is the this is the moment. This is where things turn and Rasheed Rice becomes a weapon. I'm going to say no to that. I'm going to bet on history and how this offense has always been, 
how this offense has been this year, how they treat their receivers and kind of use them interchangeably. I guess if you told me Kadarius Tony is out for the year, well, maybe that, that could lift me. And if you got Rice, hey, play him, enjoy it. You know, you always got to have him out there. He's working with Pat Mahomes. But I, I would argue, Ray, I'm going to make this statement on November okay. 27th. He will not have another game this year with eight catches. And we, he will not have another game this year with 100 yards. He'll have touchdowns. Mm-hmm. But not another game with eight or 100. Am I an idiot for saying that with Rasheed Rice? No. Uh, those are big numbers. Uh, and I, I don't, I mean, to get there consistently, you're a top 10, top five kind of, mm-hmm. you know, Amon Ross St. Brown type receiver, and he's not that yet. I think the good news, the positive news is he made some miscues, dropped some passes. They kept going back to him, right? Which is really good to see with youngsters. A lot of times that, that, you know, they shy away from, they didn't yesterday. I think back to your James Cook conversation, Rasheed Rice looks the part. He just, he looks the part, and especially compared to this motley crew of crap <laughs> that they run out there at the wide receiver position each week. Um, so I think by who he is, by the draft capital, by the skills he possesses, and by the motley group around him, he has to be the guy if they want to have success. Now, is the guy catching, to your point, six passes for 59 yards? Maybe. You know, are there huge explosions like we saw yesterday coming? Probably not. But I think a lot of people, given the way the season is broken down, and as you noted, since he's working with Patrick Mahomes, that if you're in a league that uses three starting wide receiver spots, as you all should, stop with the two wide receiver leagues. Um, it's hard to look at Rice and say he's not a wide receiver three. I, I think was going to say that top twenty five the rest of the way. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked if he was twenty one. Wouldn't be shocked if he was thirty three. Right? Like I think I think if I had to put a stamp on it, give me top twenty five. I'll put him right there at the edge. Yeah, I, I think he's more in the thirties. Could be even lower. Could be. Just because it's it's Could not – they still have a lot of guys playing. Like last week it was Watson. Remember, he was the guy getting 11 targets. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying Watson is of the same build and, you know, future as a guy like Rasheed Rice. Um, I just think this is an offense that wants to spread and wants to keep you guessing. And yesterday was great. I mean, again, Rasheed Rice had his moment. That's his That's his game. That's his, his rookie moment. Uh, we'll see if he can continue it down the stretch. Uh, Travis Kelsey breaking out of a bit of a slump, didn't find the end zone, but seven catches, 91 yards on the Raiders side. uh, It was good to see Josh Jacobs over a hundred yards. He did all his damage early. Uh, By the time it was late, he was getting no carries. They were trying to play catch up. Uh, Another just blah, Devontae Adams showing Ray. And, you know, we were talking about the future of quarterbacks next year and like, where does Mahomes and Hertz and, you know, what's what's Devontae Adams. It's going to be, Coming off this year, if, if things continue the way they are, and I would suspect they will with Aiden O'Connell, where it's five catches, 60 yards, and maybe a touchdown, it's going to be tough for a lot of people to call him a wide receiver one. Let's say Garoppolo comes back. Let's say Adams stays with the Raiders. Unless he goes somewhere else, Ray, there's been rumors of the Jets, Aaron Rodgers. Now, if he goes there, people are going to buy in. Wide receiver one. Last year was the Raiders' fault. But if he sticks in Vegas, he's not a wide receiver one, I bet, going into next season. Yeah, if he goes to the Jets, he'll be a top 10 pick. Right? Overall? Overall, yeah. People look back to the old days with Rodgers and the Packers. And, you know, I mean, the Raiders are actually playing pretty solid football, given the fact that they've made the decision at quarterback to play their worst option. Jimmy Garoppolo, without question, gives them a better chance to win. Period. I don't care what you talk about a pass here or there, a mistake there. Jimmy Garoppolo gives the Raiders a better chance to win than Aiden O'Connell. 
they want to play for the future, fine. Like, again, I don't have a problem with that. Just as a Raider fan, don't delude yourself to thinking you're going to be competitive and win games against good competition because you're not. Because Aiden O'Connell's not ready yet, if he ever will be. The, the, the part with Adams is totally true. You have to play Adams. I think yesterday was a surprise because Jacoby Myers actually caught up one extra pass and got the touchdown. Jacoby mm-hmm. Myers has vanished like he's in witness protection from the Raiders since Aiden O'Connell took over as a quarterback. Didn't even see him on the field. And yesterday there were drives where like every play was going to Myers. It's like, where, where the hell has this been? And in the end, Adams, again, was just behind Myers mostly because of the touchdown. But I don't know how you don't look at Adams and think every single game he should be getting 10 targets. I think, like you said, you know, six catches, 70 yards, whatever, like that works. The Even if it's that and it's the odd touchdown, like you legitimately have someone that you can guarantee is going to be scoring 15 points a week at your wide receiver. That's tough, right? So mm-hmm. Adam starts to be started, but you're right. It's It's been disappointing. And uh, the future for him is is really muddled. So if you're in a keeper dynasty league scenario, who's his quarterback next year is such a big part of what you should be expecting. Chiefs eight and three, uh, Raiders five and seven, staying out West Denver. Uh, who had uh, the Broncos scoring 29 points against the much-feared Cleveland Brown defense? Uh, well, they got there. And it, it wasn't dominance. Like, this game was closer than 29-12. What I will point out, Ray, is, you know, it's very impressive what Denver has done in terms of turning their season around, winning five straight. And they're not, you know, Dallas is, is everybody's uh, golden boy right now, but they're just beating up on lousy teams. The schedule has been very soft for Dallas. Denver has won five straight. And I'm not saying every team they've beaten is a world beater, but it's been a pretty difficult run of five games. Like all five teams they have beaten, including Cleveland on Sunday, are playoff contenders. So it's pretty impressive what they've done. The defense, Ray, and and this is something for fantasy players to understand. Ray, from about week, I don't know, when was the 70-point game? Week three, week four? I think it was like week three. It was pretty early. But from about that point until, you know, two months later, everybody's saying, oh, Denver. You get to attack Denver's defense. That ain't true anymore. And I don't know what's happened, Ray. I don't know. They obviously didn't make four trades and bring in four different guys or fire a D coordinator. But ever since that game against Miami, Ray, the defense has really improved. And I'm not looking at yet. Okay, Dorian Thompson Robinson. Okay, you better hold him to 12 points. <laughs> but they're not getting beat. You no longer look at Denver's defense, Ray, and say, oh, yeah. Let, let's get, you know, let's lick our chops. Because I remember that game against Chicago. We were like, yeah, man, get the Bears rolling. You get Denver's defense. That's done, Ray. The, the offense is doing their job. They're nothing explosive. It's dink and dunk with the Broncos. But the defense, I wanted to point out, is no longer like something you get excited about your players facing. Not to say they'll get shut down, but it's no longer a cakewalk against that defense. Yeah, that game was in week three that you pointed out the 70 points. Uh, in that game, they gave up 70 points. And if you take the last two games combined, they allowed less rushing yards, less passing yards, and less total yards the last two games in that one game. They allowed 700-plus yards of offense. <laughs> I mean, just – and you look at their performance, and it was 28 points and 31 points the next two games. So they were still trying to find their footing. But then to your point, Kyle, the defense has allowed 19 – excuse me, they've allowed 19, 17, 9 – 22, 20, and 12. And again, these are teams. These are not lousy quarterbacks or lousy, you know, they're not playing Aiden O'Connell every week there. No, that's against the Chiefs a couple of times. They played the Bills, Vikings, Browns, like you said. So they, yes, they've they've done a much better job of playing solid defense. I think they've done a much better job of figuring out what they really, what their look is going to be on offense. And the look is going to be on the offense is that, 
you know, Russell Wilson's going to throw it underneath and he's going to dump the ball up to the running backs and let them do their thing. And he's going to have a timely touchdown here and there. And it's not going to be 39 passes a week and 350 yards, but they're going to move the ball and they're going to have success. And the offense is looking very similar without X's and O's it, if that's even a way to say it. Very similar to what Russell Wilson captained when he was at the Seahawks. A balanced offense, Russell Wilson doing a little bit with his legs, making the big throw, and keeping the team in games with a solid defense on the other side. It's like he slid into game manager mode. Like, they're they're winning now, and Wilson has been much better than last season. The stats are nothing. He's a QB, too. Like, it's not the worst thing in the world if you have to start Russell Wilson some week in your fantasy setup. But really, he's just a safe QB, too. Uh, because like they're again, they're dink and dunk. The air yardage is really low for the Denver Broncos, and maybe like three times a game does he actually like air it out, you know, and go for Sutton or for Judy. And that's kind of this offense at this point. On the Brown side, it, it, Ray, it's it's another team where the quarterback's in there and everybody takes a hit. Um, David and Joku had a nice game. Um, he's actually been pretty solid, by the way, this year. If you if you have Njoku as a tight end, he's an every week starter and he's producing. Amari Cooper had a really rough Sunday. Um, two catches. He dropped a two-point conversion. That right in his hands. And then he got hurt late. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Ray, that, that's probably the biggest worry with the Browns is, will any of these quarterbacks be able to, to keep Amari Cooper chugging along? And he's starting to get beat up. And, mm-hmm. you know, the Browns are still in this thing. I still look at this team, and it's like, you got to run with Ford and Hunt. You have to. I think that's what they must become. And honestly, that makes Amari Cooper much more of a wide receiver, too. Pretty well every week, you're hoping he gets five catches. Uh, even with Deshaun Watson, he kind of felt pretty good about five catches. With these other guys, Ray, I don't feel very good about that with Cooper now. Yeah, DTR is hurt, and honestly, he's not very good at this point of his career. That's not a surprise. He was drafted to be a developmental quarterback. P.J. Walker stinks. Um, I, he's developed to what he is. He's just not, he's not an NFL caliber quarterback. There's one hope for Amari Cooper. Oh, yeah. Don't say it. I'm going to say it. It's two words, Kyle. (laughs) Joe Flacco, baby. Joe Flacco would, and we know this. You you know this? I know this. Joe Flacco Flacco may not be any good. He may throw interceptions. He may get sacked nine times a game. He is throwing the ball ten times a week to Amari Cooper. (laughs) That is happening, right? I'm holding you to this. Yes. I made the big proclamation on Rasheed Rice. Okay. I hope Flacco's under. You think Flacco can play next? Like they show him yesterday, Ray. Yeah. Wearing a zip up. You know, he's. It looks like he's on spring break still. I don't know if he's that close to playing. Well, no. I mean, he might go out there and and play a quarter and get broken in half. I mean, that's. (laughs) But I mean, really. They, they're still obviously in the playoff hunt. These other guys just aren't it. And not that Flacco is it. But, like, to your point, they should – and the yesterday was diff- difficult because of the matchup and the way the offense operated. But they, they can't win with Ford and Hunt carrying the ball 16 times, right? They need that number to be 30. Yeah. And the only way they can get that number to be 30 is if they can sustain a drive. And Flacco can run a proficient offense even if it's boring and not exciting. So I think they – I would be very surprised if they didn't give it a shot. Yeah. Uh, we'll see, though. C- Cleveland. You, you mentioned run, run, run. They should be more Atlanta-like. Mm-hmm. They should be more Pittsburgh-like. Yeah. And nobody wants to do that in 2023, but that's what they've got to be. And they've got these two guys. Use them. Make use of them. Uh, speaking of two guys, let's go to Pittsburgh, Ray. 16-10. Uh, to 10, They topped Cincinnati. Both these offenses came in, and we were all like, okay, what's it going to look like? Because they were different. Uh, Cincinnati didn't have Joe Burrow, first game without him. Uh, Pittsburgh did not have Matt Canada, uh, Canada, the OC first game without him starting with the Steelers. They win this game. Uh, Ray, everybody's, um, seemingly, 
you know, firing off Roman candles because the Steelers scored 400 or average, got over 400 yards offense. Yeah. First time in 58 games. I guess you can celebrate that. God, it's so bad. But I, I mean, I'm looking at this, Ray, and it's like, yeah, it's the same old Steelers. It's yeah. Kenny Pickett still can't do anything. No. And, you know, well, doesn't help when Deontay Johnson is dropping touchdowns, so on and so forth. Yes, and, correct. you know, yesterday we're told, oh, man, they're going George Pickens. Yep. He catches. He was at two catches for 15 yards before, uh, you know, a late 40-yard catch. Jalen Waldo was going to, uh, Jalen Warren was going to yeah. take over the backfield. It's too. the same offense, right? Same and, offense. and the backfield's the interesting part here. And, again, they should just run. Mm-hmm. Whether you have Warren or Harris, start them. I, I, I'm not playing games with Harris. If I got him, he starts. And with Warren Ray, I'm fine to say start him. Mm-hmm. These guys are probably good for 15 carries a week. I don't know who's getting the touchdown. Yesterday it was Harris. Mm-hmm. Came, uh, Harris came up a yard short of 100 yards. I just remind you, seven days ago, not Ray, not me, but everybody's sitting there saying, oh, this is Jalen Warren's backfield. Just look at look at what he did in, in week 11. It's Jalen Warren's backfield. And as we pointed out, not so fast. I mean, Harris is still out snapping the guy. Harris got more touches in week 11. People want to make these grand proclamations. The grand proclamation is this is what it is and what it should be. Both guys getting work. And I know it's not the happiest days if you're Harris or Warren, but Ray, I think it's still startable with both these guys. And I don't Mm -hmm. see it really changing over the final five, six weeks. Yeah. And I think that, you know, there are some teams and this is one of them where you can consider playing both running backs on your fantasy squad. Yeah. Be- because of what we're saying. Each guy, they're basically averaging 15 touches a week, all, both of them, right? And for those people that are pissed off, like Kyle said, this is the way it is. This is the way it's going to be. We've talked about it all season long. Our, my personal expectations were more for Harris. Didn't happen. But then you adjust to what you're seeing, and what you're seeing is mm-hmm. both guys. And everyone thought it was going to be Jalen Warren. He's going to take over the backfield. He's not taking over the backfield. He never was going to take over the backfield, and he's not taking over the backfield the rest of the way. It's not happening. They're using both guys. Their quarterback isn't very good. They can put up 40 yards. They didn't produce any points. Kenny Pickett averages a touchdown every seven months. The offense is not effective that way. They have to run the ball. And if you watched the game yesterday, if you missed it, I'll tell you. Uh, Najee Harris ran angry. He ran people over. He dragged people for yard. Like that was an impressive effort, right? And he's just a different kind of back. Warren is sexy and exciting the guy you see on SportsCenter. Jalen, uh, Najee Harris is the guy that runs into someone at the, at the line of scrimmage and gets four yards in the carry. They're just different types of guys, and they need to utilize both of them to have success. The biggest effort for the Steelers was Pat Fryermuth. Nine catches, 120 yards. He led all tight ends in scoring this week for week 12 in a PPR setup. He was 21 points or so. Before yesterday, Ray, he was 1.8 catches per week for 12 yards. It was not even now, he's been yards. fighting injuries all year, but that was in five games. He goes 9-120. I'll say this. I'd be willing, you know, if I'm one of these owners who's been jumping from tight end to tight end looking for somebody, or I lost Goddard, I'm still scrambling with no earth, whatever it is. I, I'd be fine to pick up Friar Muth and give him a month. Mm-hmm. You know, just just play him. And I'm not saying 9-120. He's not that guy. But is he 450? I think he Four catches for 50 yards and a random mm-hmm. touchdown? He could be that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't expect touchdowns. I mean, it's the Steelers offense. It's Kenny Pickett. And, and Ray, if, if I said four and 50, people are going to be like, what? <laughs> but that's good enough at tight end. Mm-hmm. And and you can't just, if, if next week he goes two for 19, I'm going to drop him. Don't. If you're picking up Fryer Muth, don't spend much. Two bucks, three bucks, you know, 5% of your remaining budget, 10% maybe if you're really desperate. 
But Ray, I think he can be a top 12 tight end the rest of the way. Yeah, I think four for 90 sounds boring, but let's play it out in a PPR setup. That's obviously nine points. On the season, Jake Ferguson, 9.6 points a game. Yeah. David Njoku, 10.1 points a game. Taysom Hill, everyone wants to throw out there, 9.5 points a game. Like it, like you said, it's just a bottom level tight end one. And the, the problem that we run into all the time is the jumping around that we talk about, the trying to game it, the matchup, all that. What let's go, let's call this a Rasheed Rice situation. Farmit's not doing this again this year. Like that'd be a mm-hmm. shock yeah. if he had a game to match that. But could he catch four or five passes for 50, 55 yards, score four touchdowns the rest of the way? Like he could. And like you said, with the way the position is, I don't know if people really need, like the tight end position has been a little more equal. We've had guys emerge like Njoku, Ferguson, Trey McBride. Okay. But Pat Frymuth, if he was your starting tight end in the 12 team league the rest of the way, I think you're okay. As for Cincinnati, um, I guess expectations from the outside were correct. Expectations on the inside were nothing but a lie. Like all week last week, Zach Taylor, oh, we can run the same offense and we have faith with Browning. And I get it. He's got to say that. But Ray, the expectation was, wow, this ain't going to work. And, you know, Browning was not embarrassing. Okay. There there are are a lot of embarrassing quarterbacks. Browning was not an embarrassment against the Steelers. Um, I thought he was okay. I, I will say he had one completion where he threw the ball more than 10 yards. One. Joe Burrow, normal Joe Burrow, has eight of those a week. You know, a lot more per week. We can sit here, Ray, the, the Bengals, the Bengals, what's what's next? Chase was okay, six targets, that's kind of a concern. The other thing is Mixon. And I, I got to say, Ray, if I were to say the, the biggest letdowns in fantasy this year, mm-hmm. it's a pretty tight race between Joe Mixon and Austin Eckler. And maybe because Eckler has been such a stud, he wins that. You know how quiet he's been, but Joe Mixon, right there. This is now. I, I look it up. I think people will be surprised. We are two full years of playing football where Joe Mixon hadn't really done anything. Like last year, he wasn't very good. This year, he's not very good. At the end of 2021, he wasn't very good. He's really gone quiet. He's still going to be the guy, but the numbers are just bad for Joe Mixon this year. Well, yeah, but he's got the number 18. I don't know if that's the average touch count, but it's somewhere around there. And so he's always a starter. Even with this crap effort to date, he's still a top 20 running back. But what, is he people a- going to look at that going eight catches or eight rushes, 16 yards? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, he's still an RB2 I because the production is just junk right now. Well, and again, you drafted him to be RB8. And if he's RB17, you're disappointed. I get that. Uh, Zach Taylor came out after the game and said it's not Joe Mixon's fault. Now, again, there's some coaching there, too. But the problem isn't Mixon. Mixon is not – Mixon is the Najee Harris type of running back, right? He's not a guy that's going to get out in the open field and juke six guys out of their shorts. He's not Tony Pollard. He's not that guy. He is the guy that's going to get four, five, six yards repeat, four, five, six yards repeat. If the offensive line isn't working, if the passing attack isn't putting pressure on a defense, let's crowd the box, and then Joe Mixon's four, five, six yards become two, three, four yards, Right. And I think that's just where we're at. Um, is he still usable? Yes. Because, again, we're in a, a situation where we've got guys hurt. We've got shared backfields. We got So I'm I'm never going to look at a guy in Mixon and, and, and think that this guy can't just average 14, 15 touches a week, even in a bad offense. And because of that, he's always in consideration to start, even if you end up going in a different direction. Uh, how concerned with Jamar Chase? Is he is he a wide receiver one purely because he's Jamar Chase? He had four catches, 81 yards, which is mm-hmm. not horrendous. But like I said, six targets. Um, we need more than that. Getting the football to Jamar Chase. Yeah, Sunday mornings, they answer questions on Twitter at SiriusXM Fantasy uh, from 10 to 1 Eastern. 
and I sent a note to Kyle, 17 people asked me if they should bench Jamar Chase. And it's like, you look at the performance yesterday, that's about what, okay, expected. Four for 81. Now, two of the passes were tipped, right? So that could have been two catches for 30 yards. It could have been really bad. But I think when you look at the, like when people, I this great Dorch scored a touchdown yesterday, whoopee-doo. Someone actually asked me if they should play Dorch or Jamar Chase. And I'm like, next question. Like you, mm-hmm. like that's not a, you know? So to me, Chase is not a wide receiver one. I would look at him as a wide receiver too. So this is much like Mixon. We have to reassess where we're at right now with the player, but Chase is clearly the, the alpha with this offense. And I think he's in the Devonta Adams zone that we were talking about earlier. He's he's still going to have touchdowns. He's still going to be a guy that at times gets eight, nine, 10, 11 targets, but there are going to be games like yesterday where the level of success is, is very muted and it's a little bit boring. If you look uh, back to Mixon and then we'll, we'll, we'll stop picking on him or I will stop picking on him. Uh, the last 33 weeks, which is almost two full seasons. He's missed three games with injury being inactive. In the other 30 games, he's averaging 3.77 yards per rush. To Ray's point, he gets the football. 15 rushing attempts per week in those 30 games. 57 yards on those 15 rushes. Uh, he is averaging three and a half catches. It helps a lot. For 26 yards. Big help. And the touchdowns help. He's got... 17 touchdowns in 30 games, which is a great number. So you're living on touchdowns with Joe Mixon. That's kind of what you're living on with him. Because yardage-wise, we're two years now if he can't get 3.8 yards per carry. And again, is that Joe Mixon? Is that the Bengals? Probably at this point, it's a little of both. (laughs) But they, they, they need to try to find a way to get him going. I mean, he has not had... 100 yards since November 6th of last year in terms of 100 yards rushing. And that is his only 100-yard rushing effort in his last 30 games. So it's not dreadful. And Ray's right. He's probably still an RB2. I just want to say, man, we're getting nothing from Nixon. And I wonder if that's going to change because here's here's the deal. It's eight, nine guys in a box now when Jake Browning's your QB. So we'll see what Mixon is down the stretch. Uh, speaking of Eckler, let's go to that Sunday nighter. Uh, Baltimore, purely thanks to their defense, right? I mean, their defense owned this game 20 to 10 over the Chargers. And Zay Flowers, you know, kind of got a little Debo going, maybe Mm -hmm. a little. Not Debo. He doesn't run over guys, but we're finding ways to get Flowers the football, (laughs) which is nice to see. You know, from the Baltimore perspective, really a quiet game. I guess it was nice if you're a Keaton Mitchell truther. You You got more work and you got yardage. Um, so that's a step in the right direction. Isaiah Likely, good enough. Mm-hmm. He led the Ravens in receiving yardage, right? Yep. I think he did. Yeah, 40, 40 yards. Yep. 40 yards. <laughs> but he led them. <laughs> um, again, the Chargers side is probably more enticing here, Ray. I There are probably not many Justin Herbert owners who are happy this season. There probably aren't many Austin Eckler owners who are happy this season. About the only guy pleasing people on the bolt side is Keenan Allen. I mean, it's, he's just getting peppered with targets. That ain't changing. It, it's not going to change over the final month. He probably has a shot, Ray, at 130 catches this season, which sounds crazy. Yeah. But 125, 120, that's very doable for Keenan Allen the rest of the way. Yeah, and we talked about this all preseason, and we've noted it a lot. The offense was going to change with the new OC. Eckler wasn't going to be a guy catching six passes a week. It's played out exactly that way. Uh, Mike Williams got hurt for the 412th time. Quinn Johnson, who was drafted to be there in case Williams got hurt, 
I I mean, it's too early to call a guy a bust, but man, like that's he can't catch. As Jeff Manza said repeatedly last two weeks, he can't catch. It's kind of a problem when you're a wide receiver. Keenan Allen is the only guy that consistently catches passes, and he's getting huge volume. So obviously got a great connection with Herbert. They see the field the same way, and then all these injuries. The Eckler piece is is tough because you know he still caught five passes for 32 yards last night. Okay. Uh, still had 10 carries, so 15 touches. That's about an Austin Eckler effort. You know, maybe we want 17 or 18 with a couple more receptions, but that's the problem is he's not 100% physically. And when he's not 100% physically, it doesn't work because, you know, obviously he's much more Barry Sanders than he is Earl Campbell. Like Austin Eckler's not running people over. He needs the jukes and needs the lower half to be good. And it's not quite there. And the offense struggles and, you know, they can't, you can't run Eckler up the middle. It's not going to work. They can't run Josh Kelly up the middle most of the time either because their offense just struggles. And you know, this is I'm starting to get the and I'm starting to get the sense that people are are souring on Justin Herbert too. Yeah. And I just want to be clear, this is not Justin Herbert, man. You put Justin Herbert on the Dolphins and they're scoring 40 points. I mean, you know, this is it's the way this whole thing has come down around them, Kyle. Yeah. And he probably hasn't been great this year. He hasn't been bad. You know, there's still that threat, but it just seems like Whereas somebody like Lamar will have his week or certainly a Mahomes, these guys will have their boost weeks. We haven't really gotten that from Herbert. Um, and, and they are a team that still does pass a lot. I mean, they're eighth in pass attempts. They're eighth in scoring. They're 11th in offense. But I think people feel like they should be fifth in scoring. They should be uh, sixth in offense. You know, the wins loss, who cares? I mean, we're just looking for numbers from our fantasy players. Haven't got them with the Chargers. Um, and Herbert's doing what he can. Who knows? We may find out he needs surgery on his hand after this season. Um, I, I agree with you, Ray. There, there's people who like, oh, the future is not so bright for Justin Herbert. It, he's still a, a franchise quarterback. I don't know if he's going to be an MVP level guy, but Justin Herbert, I'll take my shot. If we're ranking, you know, who do you want for the next six years? He'd probably be in my top five, top six. I mean, Ray, I'd have him over Lamar Jackson. Uh, I'd ha- I I would maybe, and this is going to sound nutso, Ray, next six years, Hertz or Herbert? Ooh. And I, I say that because yeah. I, I just fear Hertz has taken hits. He's been playing the, the whole last six weeks with a bum knee. They continue to shove him into the line of scrimmage. Like, this really isn't the way you want to protect or use your franchise quarterback. You don't have near that with Herbert. And and this is old-fashioned thinking. I get mm-hmm. it. Uh, and, and people will say, well, the next two, three years are going to be all Hurts. Who cares about the six years? But, again, as a, a long-time horizon, I'm still one of those guys, Ray, who's going to stick with a guy who I feel can throw it 35 times a week and mm-hmm. rack up 30-plus touchdowns a season when his offense is used the correct way. Yeah, and remember, too, he's run for 120 yards the last two weeks. Like that's intriguing. And I'll, and I'll mm-hmm. say this and anyone can, you can go look this up, go look at Justin Herbert's numbers next to Tom Brady. You will laugh at Tom Brady's numbers compared to Justin <laughs> Herbert through the first 60 games they play. I mean, Justin Herbert's numbers through the first 60 games he's played are about as good as any quarterback who's ever lived period guys in the hall of fame. No, they can't match that. And it gets lost because of the struggles and the losses of the team and all this kind of stuff. You know, he dropped the 29 and 31 as a starter. People might look at mm-hmm. that. It's not his fault. I just don't want him to become Dan Marino, right? I don't want him to end up in that zone where he, you know, puts up all these numbers and all this impressive stuff and arm strength and all that, but yeah. the team never wins around him. Speaking of uh, another young quarterback who maybe hasn't taken that big step or become that superstar, let's talk about Jacksonville, who got a win 
on the road at Houston, 24-21. Trevor Lawrence was good enough. Uh, he threw for 364 yards. He had a rushing touchdown, had a throwing touchdown. Um, th this game was kind of a fun one, an important one, which was a surprise to many. On the Jaguars' side, Ray, uh, it was nice to see Calvin Ridley have a big second half. He <laughs> didn't have a catch in the first half and dropped the touchdown in the first mm -hmm. half. Uh, but all in all, it was fine. Uh, Travis Etienne, I did want to point out here now, Etienne 20 carries, you're going to say, okay, what, what's to talk about? Uh, it was not a great effort for Etienne, but Ray, when he left with the chest injury, uh, they went not to Tank Bigsby, Dearness Johnson. So I just want to point out, Johnson's probably available in a lot of spots, Ray. And, mm -hmm. you know, as, as you prep for the stretch run and certainly an Etienne owner, I, I think the feeling certainly at the beginning of the year was Tank Bigsby was the backup. I mean, that changed. I, they used Johnson. He performed well. If Etienne were to go out at any point over the next month, Dearness Johnson is the guy to have him at backfield. Two. I'm holding the finger up, too. Why? Because that's the number of snaps Tank Bisbee played yesterday. Two. Mm. Now, I don't think, and again, I have to dig more into this. Where This is an evolving story. I don't think that, let's say, Etienne's chest injury is significant. He misses games, something like that. I don't think that we get... 18 touches from Johnson and four from Bigsby. Like, I don't, I don't see, I think there probably be, would be more of a mix and match, but I'm not willing to sit here and say that, yeah, if you're looking to handcuff and you've had Bigsby all this time behind Etienne, I'm not willing to say that you shouldn't yeah. be going and flipping it to Dearness Johnson. He's been the guy they've turned to the last couple of weeks. He's had splash plays the last couple of weeks, and he certainly seems to have passed Tank Bigsby on the depth chart. Yeah, and there's a lot of work on Etienne, to be frank. He's had a lot of work this season. Uh, that they could maybe even find spots to use Johnson as we go down the stretch. So I, I'm not saying that uh, Dearness Johnson is a must-have, but if I'm kind of shrinking the roster, getting down to five running backs, I wouldn't mind him having as my fifth running back. He could be a difference maker if a true injury were to happen. On the Texans side, uh, more good stuff for Stroud. We're up to four straight games with at least 300 yards. Uh, we saw his best rushing effort of his young career, 47 yards and a touchdown. So He's solidifying himself as a QB1. I was doubtful of that even a few weeks ago. Ray was pro Stroud as a QB1. Uh, 36 passes, 300 yards, two touchdowns, gets a rushing touchdown. That's certainly qb one Um, On the running back side, Ray, what the hell? What the hell here? It, like Damian Pierce? Like it, we, we, we wondered a lot about this. Like Singletary had been good in two weeks. I said, mm -hmm. oh, God, they're going to screw this up. Pierce will come back and they'll use him. Now, I guess Singletary wins the day because of pass receptions. Mm -hmm. But, like, why isn't Singletary getting double-digit carries? You know, why isn't he getting a chance to follow up two great efforts? Instead, we're rolling out Damian Pierce, and neither guy had a lot of rushing attempts. This game got away from the Texans a bit, and they just, you know, they couldn't sustain drives throughout the afternoon. But I'm, I'm just stunned, Ray, that after everything we've seen this whole year, Devin Singletary gets six carries and Damian Pierce is stealing five carries in this offense yeah i always grab the snap data uh from pff for my weekly that, right? what damian pierce how many what was his snap yeah. well here we go i got it right here so yeah. devin singletary had 49 snaps damian pierce had 11 wasn't on the field <laughs> okay goal line work damian pierce zero devin yeah. singletary three snaps two minute drill devin singletary 18 snaps Pierce, one snap. Third so down. Get him the football, I guess. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Third down, six to Singletary, zero for Pierce. So Pierce wasn't on the field. And I think the positive, if you're a Singletary owner, is that, again, all the third downs, all six of them went to Singletary. Mm -hmm. And all three goal line snaps went to Singletary, too. So there is that worry, which I think is legit, and it's still there, that Pierce 
ends up being the the Jamal Williams, right, and scoring the short touchdowns while Singletary does the things between the 20s. He dominated the backfield. He dominated the short yardage work, did Singletary. As you said, though, they just didn't run the football. So, you know, Singletary's obviously in the lead. We established that without question. The question is now once there's a more even game, uh, what's going to the, the backfield look like, especially in that red zone? Yeah, I think Pierce is a bench guy. If you got him, he's on your bench. Um, probably keep him. But I think he's certainly on your bench. And for Singletary, it's kind of a rough start. But I think for many out there, he's probably a flex start. Uh, speaking of rough starts, Giants and Patriots. Probably the less said about this game, Ray, the better. <laughs> I mean, I considering where the Giants are, Tommy DeVito, the injuries, how bad the season has gone, I am shocked they can win a game where Saquon Barkley touches the football 13 times. It doesn't do much, yeah. Like He should be touching the ball 25 times from here on out. Mm-hmm. I'm shocked they won this game. Then again, it's the Patriots. Quarterback situation with New England, who cares? They both suck. They're terrible. I will point out, Ray, Ramondre Stevenson, who now has three straight games of over 100 total yards. He got in the end zone yesterday. It's not great. It's PPR driven. But he actually probably deserves a start, even on an offense that is so bad like the Patriots are right now. Yeah, and it's been a rough season for him. He certainly has not lived up to expectations. Uh, As you pointed out, the offense is a mess. And as we sit here right now, heading into Monday Night Football in a PPR setup, Stevenson's running back 20. Mm. You know, and that's it's largely based on a handful of games because there were other handful of games where nothing happened. Mm-hmm. But that's the position this year. And, uh, you know, Siegel, uh, excuse me, Stevenson was a guy that I got asked a lot of questions about on Sunday. Most of the time I said start him. I think we had him as a top 15 running back this this week. He finished uh, he, top 10 in a PPR setup yeah. this week. Yeah, and you know it's one of those scenarios where you were just talking about Barkley and the Giants. The Patriots are basically the same thing. It's basically Stevenson and you know Ezekiel being a nuisance, but their offense is kind of Stevenson at this point. Their quarterback play is terrible. Uh, we saw that again yesterday. Each guy got a half. Neither one did anything. Uh, they're going to have to give the ball twenty times a week to Stevenson the rest of the way if they want to have any kind of success. And uh, just to say, this is my opinion, Jalen Hyatt. Who cares? Um, and, and I don't like the offense. I don't like the quarterback. I, I don't like, uh, you know, Hyatt counting on 20 yard catches from Tommy DeVito beyond that bye week for the Giants. So I, I see I, everybody wants to add a guy who just got a hundred yards, but you right. don't even get to use him this week. So I, I don't really care about that. Um, I do care about what we saw from the LA Rams, um, who went to Arizona and just kicked them, just blasted them. Smashed. And Tyler Higby had two touchdowns after not having any leading into week 12 Matthew Stafford became a Detroit lion again through four touchdowns and Ray we got this question a couple of times last week here on the uh, pod Mm -hmm. about Kyron Williams Mm -hmm. and both you and I said dude they're bringing him back they're going to use him that was Mm -hmm. a guy who got the football a lot when he was healthy I would expect that uh huge game for him it was one of the bigger games in the entire fantasy landscape certainly of non-QBs Kyron Williams was an absolute difference maker more than 200 yards in that blowout against Arizona in week 12. Yeah, he played 41 snaps to 23 for Royce Freeman. So Royce Freeman, you know, played half as much. Freeman had 13 carries for 77 yards in the touchdown. Like you said, the Rams throttled the Cardinals. Uh, but the storyline coming out of it, despite all these stories, and there's other storylines too, like where's Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup mm-hmm. in this offense that scores all these points? Kyron Williams just killed it. Just straight killed it. Uh, 143 yards on the ground, six catches, two touchdowns. Uh, he is... I mean, he's not Todd Gurley. He's just not. But he's producing like he's Todd Gurley in his heyday. Like, it's mm-hmm. crazy. He's t- he's touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. He's catching passes every week. Uh, and this 
this goes to what we've always talked about. And again, Royce Freeman had a great game. Royce Freeman ran for 70 yards. You know, this, this offense, when it's operating effectively, leads to production from the backfield. It's just a matter of who the guy in the backfield is. That's who you want on your squad. We know the guy's Kyron Williams. He came back with a with reckless abandon, and there's no reason to think they back off him moving forward. Is it fair to say on a per game basis, Kyron Williams is having the kind of season we thought Bijan Robinson would have? <laughs> like in terms fair. of the rushing, the receiving, yeah. the touches, the numbers, uh, which leads us to Bijan and and Ray. Maybe we should just sit back and say thank you instead of complaining because we complain about the Falcons every week. What the hell are they doing? But um, here's the thing: they, they got him the football. He had success rushing and receiving over a hundred yards total, two touchdowns, all that. Mm-hmm. And this kind of goes back to what we were talking about with um, Pittsburgh and, and Denver and Cleveland, all these just run, run, run. That's what the Falcons did on Sunday. Cause Desmond Ritter Ray, when he throws, it's an adventure, not in a good way at all either. <laughs> Yesterday, I think it was 41 to 21 rush attempts to passing attempts for the Falcons. That should be their MO. Because the beauty of that, Ray, is it gets Bijan Robinson the football, and Arthur Smith can still use his beloved Tyler Algier. He can even use Cordero Patterson, who had some moments. <laughs> but but I what we saw yesterday from the Falcons is what it should be. That's Ray, that should be what it is. And I know that's bad news for anybody still holding on to Kyle Pitts or Drake London, but honestly, this should just be run after run after run for Atlanta. That's the way they're gonna win games this year. It is, and it's it, you know. To the coaching staff's credit, I guess they're five and six and in theory could win their division. Like, I mean, you know, it's like they're in the mix, but this is a bad offense. They're inept through the air. Desmond Ritter is not it. And there's legit questions whether he'll ever be it based upon what we're seeing. I think that, you know, we've gotten Bijan Robinson to stay. Bijan's getting 20 touches and 100 yards, and here we go. This is what they should have done all season long when you spend the top 10 pick on a guy. Okay, fine. I don't know why Cordero Patterson, who, by the way, ran angry himself yesterday. <laughs> he did. He was running into yeah. guys and pushing them. Why is he involved in this offense? I have no idea. Like, <laughs> I have no idea. But, that's but if you're going to run it two-thirds of the time, okay. then you be involved. I, like, it will astound me if next – I don't even know who they're playing next week. But it's like, just do this again. Well, just run it. Use Patterson. Use Algier. Use Bijan. Yeah. And, hey, the frustrations are still there. Like, Algier is getting the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. You know, we're still seeing that. He's probably still the red zone guy. So they haven't completely figured it out. But at least when they're that run heavy, a Bijan owner gets their place, gets their touches. And that's really all I'm I'm hoping for right now. Yeah, but it's like Bijan and, and Algier are averaging 6.2 yards a carry. Why do we have to give the ball to quarter? They're averaging six yards a carry. Why is Cordero Patterson in here? Who had five and a half, so he was fine. But I think another storyline there, too, is because of the inefficiency through the air, Kyle Pitts... I mean, you you talked about this when Kyle Pitts was in college. Like, he was going to transform the position, and mm-hmm. they don't know how to use him. They don't. And I, it's nothing with Kyle Pitts. It's how it is. Where's Jonah Smith? <laughs> Zero targets. Zero Jonah. targets. <laughs> Jonah Smith, who was leading this team in receiving for like a month, week after week after week, hasn't done anything in two weeks. Hasn't Arthur even been part of the Smith offense. Was a true troll, Ray, because it took us to like week nine to where we said, okay, I guess we're going to do this Jonah Smith thing. And ever since, like, when the community gave in, right? then Arthur Smith said, screw it, we're not using him anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I, – I, it, and, again, he wasn't just part of the offense. He was their lead receiver. Like, he was – he was he, they're giving him carries at the goal line, for God's sakes. So, I don't know, man. Drake London, 591, continues to be a guy you can utilize. But as a pass catcher, he's the only guy on this team that you can even consider starting at this point. 
Two more quick hitters. Uh, Tennessee, Carolina. I don't think the NFL could dream up a more boring matchup. Uh, maybe the only way is if you had Tennessee go to Carolina. That would be more boring. But this game was in Nashville, so at least you had a fan base that cared about things. Um, the big news here, Ray, is, is the news we got on Monday morning. Frank Reich is out. He's done. And some of this is because of the record. They have one win, but it seems like everybody's pissed off that Bryce Young is just not there. Uh, he's starting every week. I think it's four straight games now where Bryce Young is under 200 yards passing. And part of the issue, Ray, is the guy that was selected right behind him is looking good. And yeah, Bryce Young does not. And so somebody hits the ax. And I'm a little surprised it's, it's happening this quickly. Um, we've heard that that the coaching staff wanted Stroud. We've heard that. We've heard the owner wanted Young. Yeah. The owner obviously makes the call on Frank Reich to, to can him. We, we got an owner, uh, the Tepper, Dave Tepper, who's like a bajillionaire, uh, is now on his third coach in four years, I think. Yeah. Got rid of two years in a row. He's got rid of the coach midseason. Yeah. 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 So it, it's ugly in Carolina. I, here's what I'll say about Young, right? It's not, <laughs> again, he's not cooked. He's not a joke. It's, they got to get pieces for him. I'm surprised it's been this blah. I thought there'd at least be three or four pop games for Bryce Young, but they have not happened. Well, there's multiple things going on. One, the expectations are too high because all these guys do – not all these guys. A lot of guys do succeed at the start of their careers. Bryce Young could still go on and be a terrific NFL quarterback, but he's not ready right now. That's not a shock, but that's not what the expectations are. Number two, you've got C.J. Stroud, who people – foolishly are saying is in the league MVP conversation, but he's been dynamic. He's going to win rookie of the year. He's been fantastic. As you said, three, we've got rumors, pretty strong rumors that the coaching staff didn't want Bryce Young anyway. So that's another, so we've got this power struggle of looks like Jerry Jones, Jr. There is a junior <laughs> Jerry Jones, the third a, a coach and a coaching staff that can't do what they want to do because the owners, it's a mess. Mm. And to your point, it doesn't help at all as well. When you've got all these guys like C.J. Stroud or Justin Herbert, all these guys, you know, Trevor Lawrence, they're 6'4", 6'5", 230 pounds, winging the ball over the field. And Bryce Young looks like he'd be small next to Drew Brees. Like he's a little guy. So they're just all these things going. But at the end of the day, the Panthers are a mess, as you said. Uh, and the offense is just not producing anything. And it won't matter that Frank Reich is out. That's not going to change down the stretch. Again, Rank, uh, Reich, I should say fired. Uh, we'll see what they go with. Uh, but it'll be an interim guy, and then they'll probably hire somebody at the end of the season. One last game to get to before we check in with Ryan Clifford for his thoughts on Bears-Vikings. Uh, Colts 27, Buccaneers 20. Uh, don't look now, but the Bucs have a chance at 10 wins. Like, seriously, 10 wins. Uh, their schedule is cake. Um, and, and what I'll point out with the Colts, Ray, Jonathan Taylor, two touchdowns, great, stardom. Uh, Michael Pittman. First game of the year with 10 catches. He's always at eight or nine. Mm -hmm. Got the 10 for the first time. He's been very good in PPR. Uh, Josh Downs, 13 targets. That's great. Gardner Minshew. Ray, here's the thing. It's really wild to look at Gardner Minshew this year. When the Colts win, he does nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. And I bring that up because if people are holding on to Gardner Minshew, I don't know if we're getting anything the rest of the season. Their next games. And you just got to understand how a, a game script is going to play out. Here are the upcoming games. Minshew at the Titans, Minshew at the Bengals, Minshew against the Steelers, Minshew at the Falcons, Minshew against the Raiders. The next five games are all due. It's like game management central. None of those games, I'll, I'll say it now, none of those games are getting over 50 points. That's crazy for me to say that. That's I'm, I'm going to make a prediction, Ray. Okay. Five weeks, five games, that none of those games involving the Colts get to 50 points. 
Because I, I just don't see either offenses pushing it. And that's where Minshew dies. He thrives when the Colts are big underdogs. Let it he's got to throw. Yeah. These games, they're going to be favored or maybe they're underdog by two points or something. That That's not good for a Gardner Minshew fantasy owner. He does get really excited when he has a rushing touchdown, though. He does this nice little rah. Um, you're right. And, I mean, Minshew, and, and there have been moments where people have thought opposite, but Minshew's a game manager. That's mm-hmm. all he is. That's all he'll ever be. You know, he will be this guy. He'll be the He's the new Ryan Fitzpatrick, the guy that's going to jump around from team to team. He's going to make starts. He's going to be turned to. He's going to have some nice games, but overall he's just okay. And you can win games as they're doing with him, but you're right. I think it, the schedule's not – one that opens up to the point where Minshew should be profiled as anything is a lower-end QB2 the rest of the way. On the other side, uh, shout-out to Rashad White, 100 yards rushing. Good to see from him. Uh, Mike Evans, two more touchdowns, uh, continuing his Hall of Fame trajectory, like seriously. Chris Godwin, though, Ray. Mm. I, I looked it up. Let me let me pull up the numbers here. Um, where did I have this? Chris Godwin is got one touchdown this year. Uh, he's under five catches per game. Why is that important? Ray, for four straight years, his average was six and a half catches per game. And now he's under five and he's not getting touchdowns. Is he still startable? Which is kind of weird to say with Godwin. Mm-hmm. Is he a wide receiver three even right now with the Bucks? If you look at him right now, he's within three points of Rasheed Rice, Romeo Dobbs, George Pickens. So, and we all know if you've had those guys, there's been times where it's pop. There's been times where it's not. I think that the the positive with, with Godwin is it's almost always like 10 points, right? It's almost always right there. The problem is it's never 19 points. So mm-hmm. he's a floor guy versus a ceiling guy. Uh, I think we're still have teams that have injuries. We still have bye weeks going on. So I still think there are scenarios where Godwin is a wide receiver three, but without the ability to have that pop game, I'm not going to look askance of people if they decide not to start Godwin on any given week because it's hard to see there being more than six catches for 78 yards in a big week. Well, and, and the positive he has over those other guys, Ray, is he always gets targets. Yeah. You know, it's all you almost book it six to eight. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he gets into double digits, depending if, if Mayfield and the O-line are holding up against the rush. It's up to 82 targets, so that'll put him at – you know, by the end of the season, he'll be about 120 targets, mm-hmm. maybe a little right. higher, yeah. which is down. Mm-hmm. But still, it's tough to sit a guy with 120 targets, mm-hmm. you know, eight, nine targets each and every week. Uh, Bucks lose. Uh, they are not out, though, in the NFC South. Do not do not fear, uh, because every week it, it's another battle to see who is going to be the, the best of an awful crew in the NFC South to make the playoffs. Kyle Alfred and Ray Flowers with you. That is our look each and every game from Sunday. But, hey, we got a Monday nighter to talk about and to help us with it. Our friend Ryan Clifford is back, getting set for the Vikings and the Bears coming up on Monday night. The showdown article set to be posted in mere moments over at fantasyguru.com. We get a sneak peek with Ryan and some of his thoughts. Um, I guess as we sit here now, Ryan, uh, what are we thinking with Justin Jefferson? And obviously, if he's out, he's out. If he's in, he's questionable right now. If he's in, do you make the move to him in, in DFS? What do you think of his outlook tonight? Yeah, I was just looking at the Vikings beat writers, and it seems like it's confirmed that he will not play tonight. So, okay, kind of a moot point. Ah, okay. So let me ask the follow up: Do we jump in on these other guys with the Vikings receiving crew? Yeah, yeah, I like both pass games tonight. I really like the Vikings offense. Um, 
listen, Josh Dobbs, he's he's getting the job done for, you know, what they're asking him to do. I think uh, the upside on the ground is what kind of sets him aside for me tonight. You know, Justin Fields obviously has that as well. Um, Joshua Dobbs, cheaper, going to be much lower owned than Fields. So uh, Joshua Dobbs in that Vikings pass game, I think, uh, gets the nod for me. But I think both both pass games are in really good spots tonight. You know, in the in the seasonal space, Ryan, we always have the debate, and Colin even talked about this earlier, like the Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert kind of discussion, because one guy runs, one guy doesn't. Tonight, you mentioned both guys are, are running quarterbacks, which of course they are in Fields and Dobbs. But in general, if we're on a, a showdown slate like this, and you see one of the two guys is he's a forty-five yard a week, you know, fifty-yard rushing kind of, does that almost always lead you to start that guy? Is that, is that a fair question? Because, you know, we, old-time football, let's throw it 40 times to get 300 yards, but that rushing component is just so important in the fantasy space. Absolutely. Um, I think it's definitely slate-dependent, game-dependent. Um, but, yeah, I think when you look at the numbers of quarterbacks that wind up being these optimal captains, it's, it's almost always the guys that have that dual-threat ability that are going to pick up four or five uh, fantasy points Rushing, possibly a, another 6, 12 with a guy like Jalen Hurts even, you know, mm-hmm. rushing uh, into the end zone. So, uh, yeah, that dual threat ability definitely is is something to look for in showdown. Well, and, and with the showdown, we've got obviously the captain call and then it's five flex. Um, so I ask you, Fields is a lot more expensive as a captain call over Dobbs. It's almost like two grand over at DraftKings. But the idea of, of having both these guys in your lineup, is it truly a, 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 a play tonight to where you pay up for both the quarterbacks, which usually we like to choose one and move on, but are both guys kind of kind of there up for consideration uh, when, when you talk about one guy being the captain and another guy being a, a flex play? Yeah, you know, I lead my column tonight by saying I'd be shocked if one of these quarterbacks is not the optimal captain tonight. And when you're looking for that optimal captain, you're looking for the highest scorer on the slate. So I am projecting, you know, the two quarterbacks to be the two highest scorers on the slate. So I think both of the quarterbacks, you know, one in captain, one in flex is probably the way to go tonight. When you look at the Minnesota side of things in the backfield, Ryan, we're talking to Ryan Clifford. When you look at the backfield, we have a two-headed monster, if you will, at this point, Madison and Chandler. Talk to us about what your expectations are there for those two guys, because you got Madison at 6,400 and Chandler's at 5,800, so there's a little bit of a gap there price-wise. We know that the offense does produce on the ground in terms of touchdowns with Dobbs, but it hasn't really with the running backs this season for the Vikings. So how do you see the backfield playing out tonight with the Vikings, and what's your interest level in starting either one of those guys? Yeah, I've got it about 60-40, Madison to Chandler, as far as workload touches, things like that. I think Chandler is the guy to look for if, you know, if it's a close game late, if the Vikings are trailing, because I think that he uh, does bring that added receiving element. Uh, I think he's better at that than Madison is. Madison, of course, having the fumble issues uh, all season. Um, I think Chandler is coming on. I mean, if you... uh, think the last couple Vikings games have been in prime time so I've watched both of them and, and it's very evident that Chandler gives you know he's got more juice than Madison has uh, I'm sure the coaching staff's recognizing that uh, I'm not sure you know you, you, of course you got the pass protection element I'm not sure how that plays out with these two but um, I think Chandler is the guy that's kind of 
heating up uh probably you know i've got it 60 40 wouldn't be surprised if it's 55 45 or even 50 50 as the weeks go on here so um i think with the price difference i think chandler for me is the preferred play between the two let's go to the bears uh we have adonta foreman's going to be out tonight with injury and unlike the vikings where the price point is very similar for the running backs we got a huge gap with the guys for the bears uh roshan johnson's coming in at three thousand. Cleo Herbert's at 6,800. In a seasonal setup, there's no doubt it's Cleo Herbert. You just you know put him in your lineup and let it go. But how are we handling these two guys tonight for the slate, Ryan? Because we do have such a great disparity between their price points. Is Sean Johnson, is his workload going to be enough to even justify that $3,000 price tag at DraftKings? Yeah, I think it is. I think uh, I think Rashawn Johnson, I, I, I've got this one close to 60-40 as well tonight. So, um yeah, I think, again, you look at the price difference and it's kind of, for me, if you think it's going to be 60-40, it's a no-brainer. If you think it's going to be 80-20, Herbert, uh, then we've got some questions. Um, I don't really like either of the run games tonight in general. So, you know, you talk about a pricier guy like Herbert and that's that's just a fade for me, uh, you know, just in general. I don't even think I'll play him in flex in most lineups. When you say hey, I don't like the running game for either side, and we always love to have a punt, um, is there a receiver, a pass catcher on either of these two teams that could kind of uh, fulfill that that punt hit that we're always looking for on a showdown slate? Yeah, I think there's there's a pass catcher on either side. I think uh, Aquanimus St. Brown on the Bears, he's kind of getting the third most work, I think, behind Mooney and Moore uh, since he's come back. Uh, Tyler Scott has had some issues the past couple of weeks, dropping balls. Uh, I think he had a fumble in there. Um, so St. Brown to me on the bear side. And then you look at the Vikings, TJ Hawkinson is, I mean, I don't know how the guy's still standing the past, like I said, I've watched the past <laughs> couple of games. This guy just is getting creamed on every, every time he touches the ball. I'm, I'm just amazed that he's getting up every time. So um, they started working Josh Oliver in a lot more last week. He got a ton of targets in the first half from Dobbs, and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that again. So Oliver on the Vikings side for me is a nice punt. Love that Oliver call there because uh, you're right, Hawkinson, every hit he takes, it feels like it could be his last, you know. And, and maybe you get a guy who a tight end gets two full quarters of Hawkinson, uh, unfortunately, were to be knocked out. Game kicks off at 8-15. Vikings are a three-point home favorite. I think the over-under is sitting at about 43 to 44 points there. Um, does all that compute for you when you look at the model, the, those kind of numbers, 44 points and maybe Vikings by three? No, no, it doesn't. I've got <laughs> this going way over. Um, oh. I've got this as the second highest total for me on the entire week, 12 wow. slate. So um, I like both pass games here. Uh, I think that this is a sneaky shootout type of game. Okay, play the receivers, it sounds like. Uh, the column is a lot more specific. Again, it's up for all of our subscribers, fantasyguru.com. You can find that this afternoon. Ryan and the rest of our uh, fantasy analysts and experts going to be in Discord uh, throughout the day into the evening as we get set for the 8-15 kickoff. Uh, Ryan, a pleasure as always. So we, uh, we had to make you wait for a bit, uh, but we appreciate you sticking around, helping us out on a Monday, okay? All right, thanks, guys. Ryan Clifford with a preview of Vikings Bears. Again, hit up the column. We do have a, a question in the chat room. Eric uh, Ray was, I guess he's in a confidence pool, which, you know, rules can be different from, from league to league. I'm not I'm not somebody who plays a lot of confidence pools. But what I understand here is, you know, I can make the move tonight by going with the Bears. My opponent has the Vikings. To me, I, I like the Vikings in this spot. Like, if I'm, if I'm saying who gets the win here, I feel the Vikings have a better than, like, 
60% chance of the win here. So I don't know how that works into Eric's exact, you know, how the rules work or are we going beyond this week and how the scoring is and all that. But I feel the Vikings are in a pretty good spot tonight. Uh, this wouldn't necessarily be the game where I say, okay, I'm going to throw my dart on this one. This is the one where I'm going to make up the difference or maybe the gap as I chase down the guy in first place. Yeah, I'm, I will be honest. I don't play these for, yeah. right? So I'm don't, this is reading this. Here's my response. Uh, I agree with you. I think the Vikings win the football game and uh, I, I, I'm on the Viking, Viking side. So, you know, that's, Vikings you know, are the best play. I mean, if that's the yeah. question, Vikings to me yeah. are a 60-40 play here. You know, and you you start getting into the game theory of it. Well, if they're taking the Vikings, do I take the Bears? Because we're trying – I'm just going to say Vikings. Again, I, I don't play this yeah. format. Well, I, and I, let me ask Eric's viewing. Um, is yeah. this like the last week? we got to win this week? Like, again, I, I don't know. Do you have next week? Do you have the week after that? You know, can I catch up later? Um, if I can catch up later – okay, then I'm playing who I think is going to win. If I got to get the win here, this is like it. Yeah, you do play the other side. Like if this the desperation heave and you got to make up points right now in week 12, then Ray, whenever that's, you know, that tight and the decision has to be made and we got to win, I, I think you do go Bears. Because my guess is who's ever ahead in right. this setup is going with the more logical team, meaning they're going to go with the Vikings. So if for whatever the rules say, hey, I got to win tonight, yeah, you got to go Vikings. I, I think that's – or excuse me, the Bears, if you have that desperation, like, hey, I got to win, and you'd have to assume the guy's going to go with the logical pick. I mean, the Vikings are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. That's not gigantically significant, but it is significant that they are a heavy – not a heavy favorite, but a, a solid favorite in this game tonight. Ditto. I think you <laughs> laid that out. No, I mean, I'm not yeah. trying to be obnoxious. I think you ha you laid it out properly. That I would have said the same thing if you know someone would ask me that question because I think that you have to game theory this up. And Kyle laid out the the right way to do that in this matchup because I think most, if not everyone, really uh, would expect the Vikings to win, and therefore they're the obvious play. Yeah, if you're in a lead, you go the kind of the safe pick. I would. So the safe pick is the Vikings. I think there, um, and you probably know your opponent and know how their brain works. Uh, but you're trying to do a mind meld, I guess, mm. at that point, <laughs> where you're like, okay, what's he going to think I'm going to do? And then what do I think he's going to do? And who flinches and blinks first, I guess, would be the question. A uh, lot of football today. Like I said, that's how we do it on a Monday. We go a bit longer with all the games, with the Monday night football preview. Uh, can't get out of here, Ray, without some more news that came out on Monday, because you and I love to dip our toe as it happens in uh, free agency. Sonny Gray. He's probably one of the top five or six pitchers available in free agency. Um, has inked to deal with the St. Louis Cardinals. Nobody else seems interested in signing guys except the Cardinals of all guys. Sonny Gray, three years, 75 million bucks. Ray, I would say Sonny Gray has always been solid. Mm -hmm. You know, never great, but solid. He was very good this past year with the Twins. Seemed to figure some things out with Cincinnati, you know, two, three years ago. Um, fantasy wise, is he like an SP three or, or where does Sonny Gray kind of land? He is going to a ballpark mm -hmm. that we've said before suppresses home runs, which is something he did like otherworldly in Minnesota this past year. Nobody could, could take Sonny Gray deep in 2023. 
Yeah, and over at fantasyguru.com, and whether you're a member or not, uh, you can read this article. It's a free one, by the way, FSD20, to sign up for any of the products, including the baseball product. Uh, the lead article on the baseball side of things is my MLB free agent piece, and I updated it this morning when this news came out. And I'll read you what I – two sentences. Uh, a lot of cash to be the number one SP after signing Lynn and Gibson. The problem is, despite last season, Gray isn't a one. So, you know, it's a good signing for the Cardinals. It adds depth to their rotation. He's not a, a lead – Lead a, lead a staff arm. He never never has been. He's always been one of my guys, so I'm not downing the guy at all. I've been Mr. Draft Sonny Gray when his value was always down because of the record or because he had an injury or because his team wasn't any good. Uh, I think that last year is the pinnacle. I don't think that it does anyone any good to be expecting a repeat of last season. I think that'd be foolish. Uh, he had his most innings in five years. Um, you mentioned the suppression of the home run rate, which is absolutely popular. Eight home runs, and 184 innings, which is impossible to repeat. <laughs> so his ERA is likely to be three and a half or three eight or so. You know, it's likely to go up like a run from where it was last season. So um, I'd be cautious with expecting a repeat, but it's a solid signing for them short term, at least, even though they paid a lot. And uh, he's a good SP three. Like you said, he could probably pull that off. Pal. Yeah, it, it'll come down to the innings. That's where it really lands for him. If he gives you 180 innings, he probably lands as a top 35 pitcher. He would think the ratios are going to be solid enough. Um, he, he is an you SP3 know, at best, I think, in fantasy. You know, and, and Sonny, Sonny Gray got three years, 20, 75 million. Kenta Maeda got two years, 24 million. Are they appreciably different? Should there be a $50 million gap with those two guys? I, I mean, Maeda's is a little older. He's had some arm issues, Our but his arm arm's issues. fixed. It's repaired. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, so. It's just they couldn't do another Maeda after they already did Lynn and Gibson. <laughs> yeah, mean, right. They right. had to get somebody who you assume is a little bit. Here's a crazy thing with the, the Cardinals. And, and I just noticed this. Their, their presumed rotation would be Lynn, not in this order, but, but Lynn, Gibson, Gray, and the holdovers are Miles Michaelis and Steven Matz. Now I, I I worry about saying that's the plan. That's how it's going to mm -hmm. be one through. But here's an interesting tidbit, Ray, which I don't know if it means anything. But if you stack up those five guys by their uh, baseball age, and what baseball does is your age season is July one, you know whatever age you are. Ray, they have a 33 year old, a 34 year old, a 35 year old, a 36 year old, and a 37 year old. All in order. I bet that has never been accomplished in Major League Baseball. The, the, <laughs> There's a, a reason for that, Kyle. Guy who's like 23 or 25, 33 to 37. Those are our five pitchers. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason no one's ever done that because it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, other than other than Matt's, who always is hurt, I mean, all these other guys should be looked at as at least 130 innings, right? Even Sonny Gray, I think 130 is a night. But yeah, you're, it's, it is interesting. It's, it's got to be the oldest staff in baseball, right? Yeah, <laughs> of course. There are other other teams that don't have one starter at 33 years age, right? So, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what they do because they'll do more, right? And it's, again, Cardinals, Giants are two teams from where we're from. They do a lot of this, right? Let's get the guy that's on the cheap or the shorter contract. It's going to be effective. Uh, they'll continue to make moves, but that is a very aged starting rotation. Yeah, I, I can say being based in St. Louis that uh, the fan base – was was you know thirsty for free agent pitchers i don't think these are the three they, we got three. <laughs> they were necessarily thirsty yeah. for i will say there is some thought that seattle may blow some money on you know one of the other big names whether it's snell or 
you know, the Japanese import, uh, you know, they may blow. And if that were to happen, maybe Seattle's looking to trade one of their younger pitchers and look for some bats. Cardinals got some bats and, and maybe they could trade for a Gilbert, uh, you know, maybe a George Kirby. We'll see. Robbie Ray. I mean, of course, he's too expensive now. Oh, he's right age, though. Yeah, he's right age. <laughs> <laughs> he fits right in in that uh, age uh, spectrum there for the Cardinals. Okay, that'll do it for us. Uh, Tackler football. Tomorrow we'll do some more football. Obviously, a recap of Monday night between the Vikings and the Bears. Good luck to everybody playing the showdown slate. Make sure you check out that column that Ryan has at fantasyguru.com. Head into Discord. If you're saying, hey, I got uh, X amount of dollars, which guy do you prefer? Uh, we can help you out there. Uh, we'll get in some basketball tomorrow. Justin Finsterman uh, will stop in for his weekly visit. Maybe we'll have some more baseball signings, so we will uh, deal with all of it. Uh, Ray, have a great rest of your Monday, um, and we'll see you tomorrow. You too, Kyle. Remember, promo code FSD20 for anything at the site. And Turkey40 to get the Platinum VIP package. Only good for the rest of Monday. Get you 40% off everything we do at the website. The promo code is Turkey40. We're back Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern. This has been Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by fantasyguru.com.